All right, welcome to another episode of Absolutely Not. My name is Katrina Stroll. I'm a certified career coach and HR consultant. I created this space because I have difficulty setting boundaries and I'm just tired of having difficulties doing so. So I bring resources outside in the world onto this show so that they can share their knowledge and experiences on doing so with me and with y'all. I'm gonna start by explaining some definitions and some words we use constantly throughout the show. The first being boundary. That's something that indicates or fixes a limit. So something where something stops. Gaslighting to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. For example, if you go up to someone and say, hey, I didn't like when you cut me off during that meeting. Could you not do that again? And they say, oh, you're sensitive. That's not even what happened. Um, brush it off. That's gaslighting. Dismissive, showing that something is unworthy of consideration. So for instance, if you go up to your manager and say, hey, I'm having difficulties logging my hours. I don't know how to get my timesheets in. And they say, okay, that's neither here nor there. Go do your job. That is dismissive. Today's episode is entitled, The Idea of Setting Personal Boundaries. IDEA is an acronym and it stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Action. Right, that is some high class stuff. And today my special guest is Dr. Batia Caldwell. Dr. Caldwell is a human resources professional with years of experience in consulting, talent acquisition, training, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and organizational development. Her bachelor's degrees in psychology and sociology from Virginia Tech led her to earn master's degrees and a PhD in industrial organizational psychology from Seattle Pacific University. With her data-driven approach, she leverages her training and real-world experience to help organizations embed diversity, equity, and inclusion into the DNA of their culture. In her free time, she can be found chasing her husky Goku around Seattle, where she lives with her partner. Please help me in welcoming Dr. Caldwell. Thank you so much for being a special guest on the show tonight. Please share with the audience a little bit about yourself and why you're excited to be here. Yeah, no, thank you so much for inviting me. I think you did a great job giving an overview um, of my background. I am currently an HR professional. I, um, right now I'm an HR generalist and I'm extremely passionate about diversity, equity, inclusion work. Um, it's why I pursued my degree in business or IELTS psychology, also known as business psychology. I don't want people to get confused and think that that means that I'm a psychiatrist <laughs> in the workplace. Um, I should not be giving any diagnoses or doing anything related to that. Um, it really is just focusing on the scientific study of human behavior in the workplace and helping organizations um, be effective by helping them understand the people that are within them. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to be here today. Boundaries is something that's really important to me um, in my own personal journey and especially as a black woman, woman of color. And I'm really excited to talk about it with you today. I'm excited. First of all, you're a whole black doctor. I don't care what you're a doctor in, like that clap snaps all of the above. That is so crazy. I'm so honored to have you on the show today. I would love for you to kind of define what a boundary means to you, to the people in the room today. Yeah, I mean, similar to the definition 
um, that you gave a little earlier, but a boundary to me is, like you said, a guideline or a limit that you create for yourself. And personally, for me, boundaries, setting boundaries are an act of self-love, self-care, and self-respect. <laughs> um, and they should be about you. Um, so they're for you, not for other people. Um, and they are a way to signal um, and help you understand where you stop and someone else begins, right? So what you own um, versus what someone else's owns. Oh, I love that so much. And I love that you emphasize it is an act of self-love. Um, so often we think, hey, if I set this boundary, they're not gonna love me anymore. Who cares, honey? Love you. That's what it's for, <laughs> exactly. to love yourself. Exactly. Oh, okay. I would love to ask you, is setting boundaries difficult for you? <laughs> yes. Uh, setting boundaries has been something that's always been really challenging for me, I think, for many different reasons. And for a lot of us, especially those of us who are empaths or natural caretakers or nurturers, um, you know, we really care about the people around us and wanting to ensure other people's well-being. So sometimes we tend to neglect our own and have um, difficulty setting boundaries. So, yeah. Oh no, okay. I am also, well, I just found out I'm an empath as well. And uh, my therapist told me that you gotta make sure whoever you're plugging into is worth the juice. Is that the type of juice that you want? Right. that you're plugging into. Maybe yes. it's raggedy juice, maybe it's, but make sure that's the type of juice that you want. Mm. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that, well, I'm not glad, but I'm glad that you know that you have difficulty setting boundaries because sometimes people don't even know that and mm -hmm. then they can't even work towards doing it. Um, could you say some, some reasons why people would have difficulty setting boundaries? Yeah, uh, many, 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 many reasons. <laughs> um, so I will talk from personal experience and just um, also other experiences of others that I know, but um, it can be really difficult for people, like you mentioned earlier, there's feelings of guilt or shame in setting boundaries and, um, you know, a lot of us really care about the relationships that we have. So we're concerned about disrupting those relationships um, or offending someone or hurting someone's feelings um, based on the boundaries that we set for ourselves, right? And um, that can be really challenging. Um, also, I guess in my own personal journey, um, boundaries has been something that, especially in the past few years that I've really been focusing on because it's been such a difficult, um, Thing in my own personal life and I reflect on I'm sure many of us can reflect on relationships that we've had where we felt like um, or situations where we felt like our boundaries are being crossed um, and then not standing up for ourselves or not advocating for ourselves and then feeling really icky afterwards or growing you know a lot of resentment towards that person um, for consistently crossing those boundaries um, but then I had to do some hard looking in the mirror <laughs> and realize, you know, people are going to treat you how you allow them to treat you. And so, you know, if people are crossing your boundaries, but you haven't set them, right, their internal boundaries, you haven't externalized them at all, you know, we have to take responsibility um, for that. And that can be really difficult. Um, top of that, like that's on a personal level, but on a <laughs> systemic level, um, as a black woman, um, it's been really difficult 
to set boundaries in different situations based on, especially in the workplace, based on different power dynamics, concerns about how I'm gonna come off, if I'm gonna be uh, really aggressive, or if my performance is gonna be questioned because I'm setting boundaries about around my time or how I wanna work, or am I gonna be seen as somebody who's difficult to work with? Um, mm. And me personally, I've always been in predominantly white spaces and predominantly male dominated spaces. Um, so it can be really challenging in those situations um, to set boundaries for um, many, many different reasons, yeah. And can I just say, in those different environments, it you have to go into those environments knowing that you're either gonna have to come in hard with those boundaries, or you know, I'll give it to them piece by piece, like in male-dominated yeah. boundaries. If you're working in a space where you're the only minority in the space, you need to come in hard and fast with those boundaries so right. they know from the jump. Oh, and uh, I'm speaking from not even experience because I, <laughs> I have difficulty doing so. Mm -hmm. Have you mm -hmm. ever had to go into a place where you had to do it hard and fast like that? Yeah, um, and I'm learning more so now how to do that. I've been in those situations and many situations where I wish I had of mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know how or I or I didn't have like the language or the skills to do so. And I've been in many situations like that. Um, and now, um, but one thing that I actually reflected on um, as I left a most recent like toxic work environment um, is that the environment that you're in matters so much when it comes to setting boundaries. Um, and I didn't realize it until I left the toxic situation, but I had so much difficulty setting boundaries in that workplace. Um, but now in the current workplace that I'm at, I have an environment where the co company culture encourages boundary setting. My managers um, and then my coworkers are constantly concerned about my boundaries and checking in with me. Um, and that makes the world of the difference because you feel a lot more psychologically safe mm. um, to be able to set those boundaries. So it's really important um, you know, when you're going into a workplace or, you know, in, even in the interview process that you're really trying to get a feel for what the culture is like, um, because it varies by uh, company, by industry. The last role I was in was startup culture. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's very fast paced. People are expected to work long hours. Um, you know, you don't really complain. You just work hard for low pay and that's <laughs> supposed to be normalized, right? And um, you're kind of modeling what everybody else is doing. And so it makes it more difficult for you to set personal boundaries when other people around you aren't mm -hmm. um, doing that. And I, lo I love that you use the word safe. That's what these boundaries are for. So you feel safe wherever you are. If for some reason you set that boundary and that person's like, nah, you're good. Like look, push that to the side. Then you know it's not a safe place. It is not a safe place to be. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. But um, to segue into idea, inclusion, diversity, equity, and action, how does that, um, when you're incorporating it into an organization, how does that make employees feel safe? Yeah, I mean, it's super important. I mean, this is a really big question. Um, <laughs> and I think especially for like people of color and other marginalized groups and organizations, boundaries are so important <laughs> um, to maintain your own mental health, safety and well-being. Um, and oftentimes a lot of organizations um, that are not maybe far along in their diversity, equity, inclusion work 
aren't even aware of the harm that they're causing to certain groups of people. So there's a lack of awareness um, that needs to happen um, <laughs> and education. So uh, that's some of, the, some of the things that I help with is bringing awareness to these issues. And like, because that makes a big difference because mm -hmm. a lot of times people are like, oh, I didn't know that was offensive. Or I don't know, right? There's, <laughs> you know, most of the time, you know, to give people the benefit of the doubt, people are not intentionally trying to cause harm to others and just cross people's boundaries, but um, lack a sense of awareness. So there's a lot of work um, to do around that. And I think another part of it, uh, I know, you know, you mentioned importance of meditation and mindfulness. That's something that's really, really um, important to me. Um, and I did my dissertation specifically around um, using mindfulness as a tool uh, for mitigating emotional white fragility um, in the workplace um, because emotional regulation, I think, is a big part of what's missing when we have these really difficult conversations around diversity, equity, inclusion, and that's when all these strong emotions start coming up and people start lashing out and are more likely to be crossing other people's boundaries and being dismissive and all of those things um, that we talked about before. So, um, yeah, I know that was kind of rambly, but no, that those was are some crazy. of the things. No, um, and that yeah. made me think of how um, a lot of the conversations that are having, uh, that organizations are pushing currently, and I use the word pushing because we was not talking about this uh, two years ago. Right. Um, so now all of a sudden you want to talk about harassment, you want to talk about race, you want to talk about all the things that were taboo to talk about at yep. work, mm -hmm. and you want us not to be emotional or traumatized or have any you know have any say in the process and i think people really need to come around to that mindset that hey we need to probably do step point five and um do an assessment of people's emotions before we jump into hey let's have this really hard conversation real quick so we can figure out our culture no that's a great point because um especially around diversity equity, inclusion work um for those in marginalized groups it is so much emotional labor and exhaustion and so many things that we constantly have to think about that people in more privileged groups or have more with more privileged identities don't even have to think about <laughs> and so bringing awareness of them doing the work and them having to educate themselves instead of expecting um, PLC and other marginalized groups to do that work for them is really really important um, and also not caring, that's where boundaries come in. Because as a person of color, you know, we're often found, we're often in situations where, you know, something racist happens or something like that. And then we have to call someone out. We also have to explain to them why. And then we also have to hold emotional space for all of the guilt and the tears and all of the things, <laughs> which is a lot um, for us to do. Um, and we should at not work. have to do that, <laughs> um, especially at work. Um, and so we need to be uh, proactive um, around these conversations and, and what diversity equity inclusion looks like um, within organizations and, and help people set those boundaries because they're difficult for people. And it's also not necessarily safe for people of color to set those boundaries for themselves because they fear retribution or they fear getting fired or you know, so many things, so many reasons um, that I think is on the organization to make sure that the uh, culture and environment is psychologically safe for employees um, to be able to do that. Ooh, and I just want to repeat that. 
for anybody watching or who's going to watch this video, um, it is on the organization, not all the marginalized groups that are part of the organization. It is on the organization. Ooh, let's put that in mm -hmm. the air. Okay, <laughs> well, let's get back to you. Have you ever had to set boundaries with a manager and then received um, kickback from setting that boundary? Ooh. <laughs> Yes, um, many, many times. Um, I have like a really concrete <laughs> example in my head um, in that work environment that was pretty toxic for me. I had a really difficult um, manager that um, had really high expectations, uh, unrealistic expectations of the role, um, was constantly making me feel uh, not valued, not worthy, incompetent. Um, and it was just not a great environment for me. And I was constantly overworking. Um, I was constantly like stressing myself out, concerned about um, how other people are doing in the company making sure I was trying to do everything. And eventually it got to a breaking point um, where I had to like say something um, or do something. And I wasn't at that time in the position to leave. Um, but so I had a conversation with my boss and it was probably one of the most direct confrontational uh, conversations that I've had with a manager before. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of gaslighting going on in that conversation. A lot of, I'm sorry you think that, or, uh, you know, it basically trying to tell me that how I was feeling, what I was experiencing was in my head. and would say things like, maybe this is not a good fit, um, you know, like as if the organization is not doing anything wrong and it's just me that is just crazy for thinking or feeling this way. Um, and I remember like having to directly call it out and be like, look, because um, I had I kept repeating myself in that conversation. Um, and so I literally remember saying the words like, I know I keep repeating myself, but the reason that um, I keep repeating myself is because you have yet to take any accountability for um, my, your role and how I'm feeling. And you keep telling me that this is all in my head when the company has not done anything to try to provide me with resources support to be successful in my role. Um, you know, I expressed what I didn't appreciate, how I would like to be communicated with um, moving forward um, and felt super righteous in saying all of that. But <laughs> Uh, my boss definitely wasn't too happy <laughs> with that and like was very caught off guard and said that he needed to take a break and we should come back in like a few hours as if my mind was going to change in a few hours. So we came back and uh, he's like, yeah, how are you feeling? I was like, the exact same. Nothing has changed for me on my side. Um, you know, this is what I'm expecting. Uh, and honestly, from that point forward, our communication was completely different. It was mind blowing to me. It was pushback. And it's not like everything was fixed because it was still not a good work environment, but uh, I could tell that the level of respect that he had for me had significantly increased because I wasn't being a doormat <laughs> anymore. So our interactions look completely different after that. Oh, and I, I love that, even though you had to leave that organization, but as soon as you used your voice to say, hey, this is not what I'm about, and I will not continue to accept this behavior from you or the organization. So let's what you want to do next? Like, what is, what are the next steps? Let me yep. know so I can prepare, so I can make a strategy, so yep. we can get through this together. 
And yep. I love that, even though you have to leave, but mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it also gives you an answer. That question of whether or not, hey, am I being crazy? Hey, um, is this organization worth dying for? Is this organization worth being here for and putting myself through this stress? When right. you set those boundaries, you get all the answers you need. Because if yep. when he starts gaslighting you, when they start being dismissive, then you're like, okay, that is the answer I needed. Yep. Yep. That is that is everything I needed to hear because it solidifies exactly what I was thinking was happening here. Yep. And now I can make an assessment on what to do next. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that that led to me leaving the con leaving the organization. <laughs> I was severely underpaid. That was another boundary that I had to uh, set for myself when I was um, trying to have conversations around negotiating my pay because I was significantly underpaid for the work that I was being asked to do um, compared to market rate, compared to just literally the work that I was being asked to do. And so I had a conversation and once again, he was not being honest and was trying to tell me that this is not something that we can afford. That's what he was saying, um, which I knew was not true because as NHR, I have eyes on like where a lot of our money and finances are going. Um, and so I called him out and was like, you know, I'd rather you just be honest with me and tell me that my role is not a priority um, than tell me that this is not something that we can't afford because if we can't afford it, um, even if it's something that we prioritize and we can't afford, we move the budget around or we figure it out. Um, that's what organizations do. And so, um, and he's like, yeah, well, if that's how you want to perceive it or, you know, whatever. And it was after that conversation that I was like, I got all the information that I needed. It is time to make my exit. <laughs> There's no need to exert any more energy stressing out about this company um, anymore. Yes. And, and I made the decision to leave. Yes. And I, uh, once again, once you set a boundary, you are saying no to that person, but you are saying yes to yourself. So, mm -hmm. That's what you're doing. Yay. Mm -hmm. So I know that this field is difficult. HR is awful especially for women of color especially mm -hmm. people who are advocating for change and yep. you you wear the hat of idea inclusion diversity equity and action why mm -hmm. do you stay in this field even though you know it's hard it's really hard <laughs> yeah but i mean yeah it's hard but it's so important mm -hmm. um and it's so important that we have people of color and women of color's voices at the forefront um of these movements and of this like it doesn't make sense to have a non-diverse group of people talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and, and deciding what that looks like for the rest of the organization. And so I've always been really passionate about helping people. That's why I like being in human resources and, you know, you get to really improve the lives of employees. And, you know, we spend majority of our lives at work. Most of us are working 40 plus hours a week. Um, so anything that I can do, especially for people of color to make their work experience better, um and give voice to those that don't have a voice then that's what i'm gonna do well i wish you were there when i first started in hr i wish you were there <laughs> and that's the thing anytime a person of color or somebody from a marginalized marginalized group goes into an organization as soon as we get there we're like all right where is the other person that i need to survive yeah. this place this space because yes. <laughs> we already know how it's gonna be yes it's oh. isolating. It's extremely, this work is isolating and being in predominantly white spaces is isolating. So yeah, you have to have good boundaries and you have to practice a lot of self-care and self-love in order to survive really, or you're just going to burn out and go crazy. 
All that, all that, and chips. Um, my last question for you is for those young professionals that are out there wanting to get into this field, wanting to get out there and break barriers, go into all white spaces and say, hey, I'm here and I have a message. Um, mm -hmm. What are the top three tips you have for them? Yeah, I mean, I have quite a few, um, but I mean, I think one of the most important things is, you know, really knowing yourself, really knowing what is important to you, what you value, what what feels safe to you, what, what does a safe environment look like? Um, so that way you know immediately when you're not in a safe environment, because sometimes it's a little too late. <laughs> you know, we'll be in environments and, and we won't realize until we've been in there too long and our mental health and we're literally on E uh, that and we don't have enough energy to get out. So being really clear on that so you'll notice red flags right away and know when to steer away. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really important. Another thing that's important is really knowing like the difference between a boundary and a, and a limit for yourself, I guess. And so understanding that like, don't set your boundaries at your breaking point, right? You don't want to set it at the point where somebody crosses it. There's no, there's no point of return and either the relationship is irreparable or you are now in a place where you can't take care of yourself, right? Give yourself a little bit of buffer room. <laughs> so that way you can manage and, um, repair the relationship if need be. And then um, one thing that I noticed, at least for myself, um, in the past few years, as I've been on this self-respect journey, um, sometimes when we go from not having really any boundaries at all, and we are getting ready to transition to starting to set boundaries for ourselves, <laughs> we sometimes will flip and go from having no boundaries to having really rigid boundaries and that is not necessarily healthy either right um and we need to be careful to have a healthy balance right and i think for a lot of us we really care about um our relationships and so even though our boundaries are definitely for us i think there's still an element of compassion and empathy that needs to be had when you are setting boundaries so you're not responsible for other people's emotions and how they respond to your boundaries but in the, with the people that you care about and the relationships that you care about, at a minimum, you should at least be aware of how your boundaries may be impacting others. Um, yeah. And I, I love that, especially the timeline. My therapist, she always tells me, hey, when you set this boundary, give them a timeline. Like, hey, I'm setting this boundary now. I know we've been in this relationship for some, some years, mm -hmm. but I am now setting this boundary um, in a month we can talk about it again if you want to, um, but yeah. I, I'm letting you know right now it's starting. The top, the top, the the clock is ticking on this yes. boundary, and I'm yeah. going to put it wherever I see fit. But it's just that um, transparent communication with whoever you're in a relationship with, including your employer. Like, right. hey, I just had a child, and I will no longer be working until nine o'clock at night anymore. I'm just yeah. letting y'all know that exactly. this has changed in my life. <laughs> yes, I, I think that's you, you are spot on with like the communication um, part and like to a degree, because I know when we talk about boundaries, we often say no explanation is needed and no means no, which is absolutely true. Um, but it's not that black and white way. And sometimes an explanation is needed um, or at least, you know, just communicating clearly about your boundaries. You don't have to go personally into and mm -hmm. oversharing all of this stuff, um, but just being as compassionate and considerate about the other person or the other party um, without disrespecting, um, you know, your own uh, sense of boundaries. Yay, okay. Mm -hmm. 
So we have learned a lot about boundaries and I'm sure everyone on the floor has questions for you. So at this point, I'm gonna open it up to everyone out there. You can use the chat if you'd like, or you can come off mute. Do you have any questions for Dr. Caldwell? To type, to type. You're <laughs> probably typing, and that's why you're not saying anything. You have hello. A... Oh, hello. <laughs> I have a question for Dr. Caldwell. It's yeah. just a really simple question. Um, so, with regards to boundaries, where where do we start? What mm. is the starting point? Where do we, you know, because for me, like I don't really know. I have trouble with setting boundaries with you know people in my life, so. I don't really know where to start. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a difficult question. I think honestly, it's gonna look different um, for everyone. But I think, as I mentioned before, a good starting place is like figuring out what your needs are and what does it mean, and when do you feel safe? And when you're engaging with people, whether that's in personal relationships or in a work environment or in any context. Um, what is it that you need um, and, and when do you feel safe? And then also like, I know it's difficult to set boundaries. So sometimes it's good to practice um, and having like phrases to go to, like general phrases that you can just pull out um, and practice saying them and, and practicing them in a safe environment, right? Checking in with people, um, at least for me, surrounding myself with people who are good at setting boundaries. I'm naturally drawn to those type of people. I have a lot of those people in my life because it's something that I want to embody. So if you do have people in your life that are that you see and you're like, wow, I wish I could set boundaries like that, <laughs> reach out to them um, to help kind of support you and and figuring out what strategies work best for them and what can work best for you and write it down Travis if you can write mm -hmm. it down like this is what a safe work environment looks like to me this 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 that way whenever something happens at work you can be like oh no that was not on my list that was not on my list we need to right. talk about it mm -hmm. thank you thank you very much um Koyel said how to overcome stress in the workplace how do you overcome stress in the workplace? <laughs> That's a big question. I mean, it's a lot going on right now, right? Um, there's COVID-19, there's, a, you know, systemic racism and sexism and all of the things going on. Um, there's just, you know, the Derek Chauvin trial is going on right now. There's a lot of things going on. And so, overcoming stress. <laughs> I don't know if I have an easy answer for that, but one, constantly validating um, your own experience and also taking breaks. Your job is not worth your mental health, energy, anything. Like, honestly, like the company will replace you in a heartbeat. <laughs> like, it's just not, it's just not worth it. So never feeling guilty for taking breaks um and not needing to justify that you don't even need to justify it to yourself if you need a break you need a break um and to take it uh yeah there's dealing with stress in the workplace is, is difficult i think we're all feeling a lot of stress right now so just prioritizing yourself um and taking care of your needs and just doing what feels right to you 
I would also encourage you to um, kind of try to figure out where that stress is coming from. Is it the working hours? Is it your manager? Is it everything that's going on in right. the world? Do you need to move, remove that noise or try to figure, just try to figure that out. So mm -hmm. that way you can pinpoint it and kind of try to remove it. Exactly. I will have to leave and would love to connect with Dr. Caldwell. Oh, she would yeah. love to connect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, does anyone else have any other questions? I have a question. Yes, Dr. Caldwell. So first, I just want to say that I am very, very appreciative. And this whole entire session has been very, very informative and inspiring. So I just want to let you know that I really appreciate it. Um, especially being somebody who's seen the whole journey firsthand. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I would just like to say that my question for you is, what has been the most challenging boundary that you've had to set for yourself? And obviously there are multiple boundaries that you've had to set, but what has been the one that you feel you've had to work on setting the most? Mm. <laughs> That's a loaded question. Um, I think more so my most challenging boundaries are like my own internal boundaries that I have to set with myself. Um, and like, that's been really challenging for me. I can't even necessarily pinpoint <laughs> an exact example, but um, because with setting boundaries, like the most, I think one of the most important part of setting boundaries is, is uh, that's difficult for most of us is the follow through right you set the boundary but you need to make sure that you actually follow through um, and be consistent um, and that's always been uh, I think a struggle for me um, to do that well thank you thank you again <laughs> for this whole session it's been amazing thank you and I love that you use the word consistency um, it is really hard for me if I tell somebody something like hey I will no longer be working past this time or, hey, I can't make that meeting. And then they come back and say, hey, why are you not on this meeting or enter your phone? Da, da, da. It is really hard for me to say, like, I already told you this right. is not it. We already had this conversation. <laughs> um, exactly. I will, I will, Kate, I will, I will fall down. Right. I will collapse like a lawn chair. But, um, and so that consistency is really hard for me. So I'm so glad that you uh, brought that up. And I'm glad other people have troubles with that as well. <laughs> I do have one more question for you. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that the it's also on the organization to support the individuals and the people within the organization to create boundaries in an environment where they can flourish and have success and also feel safe and comfortable enough in order to be able to set their own personal boundaries. So with that, what are some things that organizations can do in order to help support people within the workplace to make them feel comfortable and safe to set those boundaries? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that organizations can do um, and should be doing. I mean, one is time off, <laughs> right? Um, and I think like in America, that's not something that we prioritize necessarily. We're just our culture here is like workaholic, always expected to be at work. I mean, there's some companies they've sh that have shown that even having unlimited vacation time is actually counterintuitive and people are less likely to take time off when they have an unlimited vacation time policy because they don't feel comfortable or they can't justify taking off time or whatever. And so I think um, 
having mandated paid time off um, is one way to give an opportunity for um, employees to rest and relax. Um, thinking about, you know, making sure managers are trained and have the um, resources and everything that they need to support their employees and um, having healthy work-life balances. Um, even leadership, like expressing, like statements are not the end all be all, but they can go a long way by saying, you know, we prioritize work-life balance. Um, you know, if you need to take time off, please work with your manager, um, let us know. Um, and also making sure like, I mean, it's just the responsibility of the organization to make sure that uh, they're properly staffed, right? And that there's enough support and resources so people can actually take the time off. And if their workload is too much, they can rely on someone else um, to cover for them or, or jump in. Um, and just constantly having those conversations and focusing on mental health and well-being of their employees. Um, another thing is just one assessing, right? Um, assessment of company culture, employee engagement, understanding how employees are feeling, checking in with employees, getting feedback from them. Like, do you feel supported at work? Do you feel safe at work? Um, and then when those things come up, actively and intentionally addressing them, right? Because sometimes leadership is so far removed from the day-to-day -day of what's happening. Um, and they literally have no idea. They think that it's okay. And um, oftentimes employees don't feel comfortable speaking up for many different reasons and leadership sometimes doesn't understand why would they say anything if there is a problem, right? And so making sure there's proper channels for employees to be able to voice their concerns or voice those needs and then following through and making sure that you're actually addressing them. Thank you so much. Thank mm -hmm. you. Oh my gosh, and that covers all the definitions we talked about earlier, gaslighting, dismissive. If you're doing that from a management level, why would they believe in the culture of the organization? If your floor managers are not trained on how to take a sexual harassment complaint without saying, oh no, that's not happening here, that doesn't happen here, um, then why would an employee believe in the entirety of the culture exactly. of the organization? They just wouldn't. And why, why should they? <laughs> Right. I have one more question for you, Dr. Godwell. Yeah. Um, this is sort of like a speculation question. I'm not really sure. Um, but it's like, how do you, if, if the organizations are sort of above the employees and they're mm. predominantly white or male, who is going to hold them accountable for the changes that we want? And what are we going to do about that? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> and that's a hard question to answer, right? It's Many of us find ourselves in situations that we don't want to be in because we don't feel, we feel like we don't have another choice, um, and we feel helpless and we feel not empowered. We feel powerless um, in those situations, and so that could look like many different things. I mean, sometimes you have to leave the organization um, that you're in, but it's kind of hard because some, that's not a luxury. That's a privilege in and of itself to be able to just leave if that organization is um you know taking care of you financially benefits there's so many reasons why we can't just up and leave and move from an organization like that and holding them accountable i mean i think that's really difficult <laughs> um you know when you don't have a lot of power um even decision making power in an organization um 
I don't want to say there's this, that there's not that much you can do, but um, sometimes, you know, you just have to recognize what you do have power over and what you do have control over, and you always have control over yourself and your actions. Um, and, you know, when it's safe to do so, speak out, even if at the end of the day, you know, the organization may not be held accountable or it didn't do anything. At least you spoke out. Mm -hmm. um, at least you said something and you can at least leave knowing that, you know, I at least reported this or I said something or I took it to an outside um, party because sometimes reporting it within, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, but there are sometimes outside agencies or outside parties that you can report something to, to come and, you know, deal with that organization if something is is happening. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Dr. Caldwell, I would just like to add that um, nobody on the production floor level is going to be able to change an entire organization's culture. Yes. Um, yes. It took me a really long time to accept that, that me um, stomping my feet down here where while they're up there do, doing the board meetings and everything, they're um, they may hear me, they may get that piece of paper, but I'm not going to be able to change them from where I'm at. So I accepted that and um, I wrote down my safe space and looked for a safe space elsewhere where I knew that the executive team members looked like me, had the same values as me, and I was mm -hmm. gonna have a safe place to work. Absolutely. No, that's a really, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, does anyone have, else have any questions before we wrap up tonight's episode? Hi, I, Irene. Thank you for coming. I have one more question, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. So, yes, Dr. Kawa, I was wondering if you can maybe explain or speak on some of your experiences within the workplace where how exhausting it was being a person of color, especially being a person of color in a predominantly white organization and trying to help build systems in order to help the company move forward and become more diverse, equitable, and inclusive, um, but also feeling like you have to do it on your own or that mm -hmm. all the pressure is on you, but also having to set boundaries to where you're also forcing the organization to support you and be a part of that process as well, because I'm yeah. sure it's exhausting. And it also shouldn't have to all fall on you, but at the same time, you may feel the need to want to really be a part of that to ensure it's happening in a positive and efficient way. So mm -hmm. how do you balance that dynamic as well? <laughs> An organization that's predominantly white and as a person of color, you really want to be involved, but should, all the pressure shouldn't be on you. Yeah, that's a big question and something I struggle with regularly. I think one of the things that's been really most helpful for me in this diversity inclusion work is um, what's called radical acceptance <laughs> and using and getting out of should, because oftentimes our, our boundaries come from obligation or what, how I should be acting or how other people should be acting. And, you know, especially with diversity and inclusion, you know, there's often this, I shouldn't have to educate people on this. Like, these people shouldn't be racist. They shouldn't be responding. The organization shouldn't be acting like this. They shouldn't do X, Y, Z. Um, but the reality is, is that it is, right? They are that way. Um, and so when you accept that reality, then you can move forward more effectively instead of hoping and wishing for it to be the should land because should is not, <laughs> should is not the reality. And so those are kind of the indicators of when you need to leave or do something different um, 
but it's been really helpful for me in engaging, especially with white people or more privileged people, like not going into those conversations and situations, expecting them to be where I'm at and expecting them to not do these things because I already know that they are. So I can go into those conversations like prepared um, emotionally and mentally. So I'm not setting myself up for disappointment <laughs> and failure because sure enough, they're gonna probably not be well-versed or say something messed up. Um, and just having those, um, like having that in mind before going into those conversations and settings. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Again, this has all been extremely informative. I really appreciate your firsthand personal experience that you shared with us today. And I really appreciate your time and answering all my questions. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's like a great gift. <laughs> um, I just want to put on there that I learned so much from you, Dr. Caldwell, especially in that last thing you said, the should land. I live in that should land every day. I am upset every single day. Every time I go into these conversations, I'm like, y'all should know by now. Yep. You don't know what racism is. How don't you know by now? So now I'm going to go into these conversations with less should, with yeah. um, um, with more regulation in my emotions and less should. I love that. I love that so much because there's a lot of stuff I should know by now that I do right. not. <laughs> Boundaries, one of them. Right. <laughs> but um, before I let you all go, thank you so much for coming out. Thank you so much, Dr. Caldwell, for in giving us so much information that we did not know before we joined the session today. And I cannot thank you enough for just being a beacon of light for everyone you touch. Um, this is absolutely not. It's a safe space. I'm going to send in the chat right now. If you liked what you saw today, please donate, subscribe, review the show at absolutely not with Katrina.com so that we can continue to have conversations like this and we can continue to grow as people and human beings. But with that, that this is our episode. And I thank you all so much for coming and you guys can walk yourselves out when you see fit. I'm going to play you some walking out music. Thank you, Katrina. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Oh, my gosh. That was so amazing. Oh, we're still recording.